How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. And we are joined by a special guest, a man that took the baseball world by storm, not only because of his minor league stats, but because of his last name. He is Los Angeles starting pitcher, Jansen Junk. How are we, Jansen? Good. Thanks for having me. I wanted to go into your middle name. So I looked into the Wikipedia here. Obviously, credit to me for the research. Randall. Yeah. Have you ever been called Randall before? Is that something your parents call you or is it just straight up Jansen? Uh, it's funny uh, you asked that. Um, some of my best friends from high school that, um, you know, I'm still in contact with them today and hang out with them all the time. Um, they call me Randall. Uh, just for fun, but it, it's my grandfather's name, so I just, uh, you know, got that from my mom's side. Okay, so honestly, Randy's kind of an electric nickname, and I'm going to start just throwing – I don't know if you watch Trailer Park Boys. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to Photoshop your face on Fat Randy <laughs> and Trailer Park Boys every time you pitch, and I'm going to say it's Randy Day. It's Randy, baby. Or like, I got you. That's what we're going to do every time you pitch next year. But Oh, I'm about it. And you went to Seattle University, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your time like there? Because my my impersonation or my impression of Seattle is it's like very gloomy. It's not really like the weather there is not elite as other parts in the country. Change my mind. What what's what's Seattle like, dude? I mean, okay, so during like the fall and winter, it's uh, it's not too good. Um, you know, you get those rainy days. Yeah. Um, but man, the sights during spring and summer, um, I mean, I, I don't think you can beat it. Um, it's unfortunate I'm not around during those times anymore. I'm usually playing baseball on the East Coast or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, last summer I got to enjoy it for the first time in, you know, five years or so. But um, just the scenery. Um, you know, the mountains, the water, the lakes, whatever, stuff like that. Um, going down to the city, um, you know, just enjoying your time outside. Um, you know, that's what I feel like Washington's about. You know, it's very outdoorsy. Um, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is. You definitely have those uh, rainy weeks and months. Um, like right now, we just you know, this is probably the first sunny day in probably like two weeks. We just had crazy rain for the last, you know, two or weeks or so. So, um, you know, I'm looking out over the water right now. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, it's not for everybody. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I like to, um, every, everybody always has something bad to say about it, but you know, that's fine. They can, they can stay wherever they are and, you know, let us Washingtonians stay up here. Oh, Washingtonians. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that before. And honestly, (laughs) and I'm just thinking about the college experience, obviously, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. 
is like when I think about party schools and I think about people getting after it, Washington doesn't come to mind. I'll be honest. I think of like the Texas, the Californias, Arizona, Florida. Is Seattle like, Mm-hmm. Is Seattle University a party school or is it like pretty much just all academics there? No, nah, it's pretty, it's pretty, good uh, um, you know, it, you know, I, you know, went through with and um, I was there for three years and then got drafted. Um, you know, we, we had a close bond um, and we had some good times and, you know, made, had fun there and, you know, made it a good time. Uh, but it's definitely not like, you know, any crazy party school. It's pretty small uh, D1 school. Um, but we have UW down the street. Yeah. Um, you know, I got friends there. So, um, you know, if you're trying to get, have a good time, you know, you, when you're 21, you can go out, you know, you're right on Cap Hill, there's bars, restaurants, um, you know, whatever you want to get into, um, is all right there. So that's, that's like pretty much like, if you're trying to have fun, go to Capitol Hill, which I lived, CLU is in Capitol Hill. So, um, you know, you could find a good time down there. Yeah, no, I guess you're right on that, man. I just, like I said, I think of like the warm areas and all that kind of stuff. So then you, so what were your stats like at Seattle? Were you just a fucking freak of nature or what, what, what were we talking about here? Because you went 22nd round and I'm assuming that school, like you said, it's a small D one. So I mean, not a lot of guys are getting drafted yeah. out of there. So what were your stats like? I mean, they weren't honestly, I off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you exactly. Um, like my freshman freshman year I did good um you know I was coming out of the bullpen um I don't know how many innings I threw um you know sophomore year uh that's when I started um you know starting um you know being a weekday starter and then um you know getting a Sunday start here and there I think and then my junior you know my draft year you know I was projected a little bit higher than 22nd round um I was probably I was throwing like 93 to 96 um, I touched eight, um, you know, I was throwing hard, but, um, you know, it was just, I don't know. Uh, I didn't do too good, but like, you know, to my standard, you know, I have high standards. So, yeah. um, I didn't do the best, but, um, you know, I knew if a team was going to take me that, you know, I was going to prove them that I belong in, you know, major league baseball. And I mean, which you did. I mean, you absolutely carved with the Yankees. And I wanted to, I mean, so you get drafted by the Yankees, you go into the minor league systems. And I mean, you want to talk about absolutely grinding in the minors. You were in the Florida Gulf Coast League, which is, I've heard absolute horrendous nightmare fuel stories about that league. What was that Uh, league like? Because rookie ball uh, there is, it seems like an actually like a real life nightmare. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a good time. Luckily, um, we had some good guys in that draft class. There's probably like five of us, five or six of us league. And we were on the same team and wedding this past weekend in Dallas that, you know, we were on that Gulf coast team. Um, but, Oh my gosh, the heat, the heat was insane. Those noon games, um, you know, there's, it was crazy coming from college ball and then going, you know, Florida goal or, GCL um, at the time, it's just total cultural change, uh, you know, coming from Seattle and then going down there and being in Florida and, you know, grinding through those long days. And, um, you know, those, those were uh, some gritty days where it's like living in the extended stay hotel and, you know, 
trying to get by thinking, uh, hoping that you're going to get a chance to play somewhere else, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know how some of you guys do it. And luckily I think they're, they're starting to change like minor league baseball starting to move forward and the housing and all that kind of shit. What would you say is like your funniest story you have from your minor league career? Like a story where it's like, especially in, cause like I said, man, you've been through the trenches. So like we've got guys mm-hmm. here tell stories about fans. Like I say this all the time on the podcast. So like we have fans like climbing light poles and machetes. Like we have just random fucking stories. So what's one story you have from your playing career where it's like, this is, this is the most fucked story maybe I'll ever have in my whole playing career. Oh, geez. Um, crap. Uh, now I got to think about it. Oh, I just know um, <laughs> this is the first thing that came to mind when we were in the GCL. Um, I'm not going to say names, but it was like two top prospects in the Yankee system. Um, you know, they were young at the time uh, and we were all in the hotel. So we come, we come to the field the next day or whatever, doing our thing and our uh, – coordinator or field coordinator at the time Gary Dembo he comes in tells everybody to get in the room and uh he starts screaming at us because two two guys were ding-dong ditching in the hotel um the night before and whatever being stupid like you know young dudes um and we're like Okay, like, why would you even do that? Whatever. And so he's like, okay, everybody, it was probably like 150 of us. Everybody <laughs> has to go clean up trash around the facility and like the sidewalks and everything. <laughs> so um, we, yeah, we literally didn't play baseball that day. <laughs> we had like an air squad game. No, we just went out and cleaned trash, looking stupid on the side of the street, people honking at us and stuff. Um, and so that, that's like one moment where I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Um, so I, that's one story I'll never forget. Who's a couple guys in the Yankee system that you played with now that's kind of in, that's in the show or kind of making a name for themselves in the minors? Um, in the show, I mean, I would say, um, Steven Ridings, um, he, so I, I mean, I started in double A. Um, you know, I, I knew some guys that were, um, triple a fringe MLB guys up and forth, but, um, didn't really like know them like personally, but some guys like Brooks Krisky, um, Steven Ridings, um, who else? Um, Steven Ridings, that guy's a fucking clown. I DM me, he says he's going to come on the podcast and he just absolutely goes to me. That guy's a clown show. That guy's oh, a clown. I got, I got a story. So he, um, I don't know where he came from. Oh, he was a free agent. So he, free agent, signed with the Yankees. Um, one of the first few days this year and um, his first outing, he's in the pen and um, they call his name, Ridings Get Hot. This guy slams a Red Bull. Okay. Slams a Red Bull slams the rest of his like pre-workout or whatever he had in his shaker bottle and he's the biggest like psychopath when it comes to baseball like outside the lines he's like pretty normal um inside the lines he he's psycho 
and um, he's just screaming to himself and everything. And he's throwing his warm up pitches, and they're like, "All right, last guy." And so he throws his last one. He throws like a hundred, so Holy he can shit. do this. He, he he has the right to be a psychopath if you throw a hundred. Um, and he goes up to this, you know, this railing, um, and slams his head into it three times <laughs> full on banging his head and then screams and then runs to the mound and this is the first time like he didn't really talk at first you know he's like getting used to everybody yeah and we're like oh my gosh this guy is a psychopath and he goes in like strikes three guys out and you know flexes on them and walks off the field and we're like this guy is weird but he had, he ended up you know we ended up learning um you know about him and uh he he ended up being a really good dude and, um but yeah. okay so and paul apologies to steven riding he's not the one that did it to me it's another guy i can't find the dm <laughs> i can't find his name i just slandered steven riding for no reason it's robert brantley's up the clown show not steven riding so i apologize uh, yeah okay. robert Robert uh, Bradley's a got story out of it. Yeah, Lee, that's a great so. story. Shout out to me for bringing that up. So you're with yeah. the Yankees, <laughs> and one thing that it's absolutely absurd about you is, is you you went through three levels in one season, which is just idiot zone. You played A, double A, and triple A. Mm-hmm. I believe is that in 2019? Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're are, are you, like when you're flying through systems like that, are you even unpacking your luggage, or is it just like day by day? You're just you just have clothes out, like you're going to elementary school. Yeah, no, well, when I was there, um, I was, uh, I was mostly in Hyatt. So we had a place in Hyatt and I, you know, I had my stuff settled. Um, and then, yeah, when I got the call up, it was pretty much, um, I had my car there. So I had to pack all of my stuff, just left my car in Florida, had one suitcase and it was 11 hour suitcase for a little bit. Um, luckily it was at the end of the season. Um, so I didn't have too much time, but yeah, it was, you know, wearing the same pair of underwear a few times and um, (laughs) stuff like that. So, um, you know, when that's happening, it's, I mean, I don't really care if you're going up, um, you know, that's the only thing that matters. And, you know, it might be worse if I was going down three levels and I have one pair of uh, underwear or whatever, you know? So, you know, I I was just grateful to be there and, you know, you know, it it was such a, like, that was my second year. So, um, you know, going to double A AA and triple A and you getting that experience, um, you know, was a big change for me. Cause I mean, there was a big gap between, you know, low, low A and triple A. And yeah, it's just like, you've literally flown through the system. I mean, you're in the show in 2021, obviously last year you make your debut and you just, it seems like you were staying in these levels for like half a month, like a month or two, especially in 2019. And I wanted to bring up Trenton because I'd be pissed off. I didn't bring it up here. Our good friend, Hobie Harris mentioned uh, the bat dog in Trenton. What was your experience like with the goat, the legend, the bat dog was, was the bat dog there when you were there? No, I wasn't even, I, um, I only had one start in uh, Trenton, and then I went to um, AAA. Humble brag. And so then, yeah, okay, that, yeah, that's a good answer. I respect yeah, that. Yeah, and it was away. It was away. So um, I was. I never got back to Trenton. I would. I really wish I uh, would experience the bat dog because I've, I've never had a bat dog or played against one. There should be so, bat dogs. I've said this time and time yeah. again. Human beings doing it such a waste of energy, such a waste of time. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it just really doesn't. 
this year in where in double A and everywhere else, um, the pitcher like I mean when I was with the Yankees and Angels, the pitchers had to do it. Oh you know, because COVID some stuff. Little shit. Yeah, it used to be like they used to have bad boys or whatever. Yeah. So, um, whenever um, you know COVID happened, they didn't allow outside people um, in the dugout, but uh, this, you know someone had to pick up the bat, so it somehow got put on the starting pitcher. So, at the day after you start, you know, you go seven innings the day, you know, day before. Next day, you go. Uh, nine innings bad boy so that boy nightmare. and ball boy that's yeah, a running nightmare. out balls yeah looking like an idiot but that, um you know thank god i got to the show you know didn't have to deal with that and and it's just absurd so were the guys in double a looking at you when you like you did one star thing i called up or they're like this fucking guy like this fucking guy is just making one start and he's already in the show is it like we're looking at you like are you serious dude he didn't have to put his time in in double a uh, I mean, I thought I put enough time in double A that season, you know, with the <laughs> Yankees pretty much. So um, my performance that year, I thought uh, I could have been up to triple A a little sooner. Yeah. But um, whatever. That's not my uh, not your decision. You know, decision to make. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was I was itching to get out of there. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm uh, I'm from the northwest. You know, when I went to the Angels, they put me in the south. Um, you know, I'm not really, uh, used to being down there. Um, so the heat and that humidity is something else. So I was, I was happy to go back on the uh, West coast. So this might be a dumb question. Oh yeah. Wait a second. So you're, you have completely different temperatures than what we have here in Toronto. So you, so you're not used to like the humidity, the humidity, sorry, you're not used to any of that shit. So you're used to like dry heat. Is that what you're used to? I mean, I wouldn't say it's like dry like Arizona or anything. It's just like I would say it's perfect. Yeah. No, some may argue honestly. <laughs> like like I, I don't know. Like yeah, there's there's like a like during the summer you might get some humidity, um, but it's not. Um, it's like perfect, like even amount. It's not like too muggy, um, not dry. It's like a nice in between point. Yeah, and then I wanted to go into the Yankee. I mean, the Yankees facilities that you got to play at, I heard nothing but good things, obviously, about them, and then people just shit on the Oakland Athletics facilities on this podcast. <laughs> so the, the the New York Yankees ones, I heard it's just like every single level pretty much, or I guess once you reach a certain point, it's all like you get pretty much access to pro-level facilities. Is that true? Um, yeah. I would say so. I mean, they just they do a good job training their uh, players down there um, from the staff, from the facilities to the way, um, you know, they treat you. Um, you know, they it's a it's a truly professional organization. Um, and I was happy to, you know, start my career there and, you know, um, you know, learn from them and, you know, how to be a professional and how to be a, you know, a big leaguer. Um, they kind of instilled that in me, uh, you know, from being GCL to, you know, getting traded. So, um, yeah, man, everything, I would say everything they got there, the, the, the resources they have is insane. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I've heard nothing, like you said, man, I've heard nothing but good things about the, uh, about the, the Yankees and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that obviously I wrote, I hate Yankee fans. 
You honestly dodged the bullet not being with the Yankees because you have one bad start there. They want to legitimately murder you. So, I mean, you're and now you're in Cali where you're living the dream, obviously. They're more chill. They're not going to absolutely come at your throat after one bad outing. So, so you're just, I mean, you're, you're, you're in a good spot here right now. So when you got traded in that Andrew Haney deal, and this is when you're absolutely buzzing. I mean, you have, I think, the lowest DRA. Is that right? In minor league baseball at the time or in double yeah, A at the I time? Believe so. Yeah. And you get traded for Andrew Haney, who I've, on the record roasting on twitter all the time where were you when you found out you were a part of that deal and what was your immediate reaction when you realized you got traded to an organization that's like going to give you a chance to play yeah, in the show now yeah. yeah um well i know my my agent um matt he uh like two weeks before like whatever like leading up to a trade line he was like hey um you know like your name's been discussed and you know, a few trade rumors, just don't be surprised if anything happens. I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. Like, you know, I was a non 40 man guy in my fifth year, Yeah. Um, you know, with the lowest ERA in double A baseball. Um, so I kind of thought that, um, but I didn't really think it would happen. Just like, I don't know. I'm just, I was living in the moment. I was with the Yankees. So it's just like, you know, I kind of was just, head down just didn't I was still pitching so it's not yeah. like I couldn't think about it too much um and I think we're we're in Reading Pennsylvania and that's when everything was going down uh, when they got Gallo um, when they got Rizzo um and so those those two went off the board and everybody's like looking like at their phones and stuff and we're reporting it back to the dugout because we had a game that day or that night. And um, they're like, Oh, like uh, Glenn Otto. Um, he was recently, he was with us at the time and he just got sent up. So we're like, Oh, Glenn's um, in the Gallo trade. And then Rizzo trade goes down. And then, so I see those two go and I was like, ah, I was like, if I'm, if I'm not in those, I'm probably, I'm probably not, you know, going to get traded. And then there's rumors like, oh, they're trying to get like an, some bullpen help or a starter. Um, so I go sleep that night, trade deadlines uh, next day at like four. Um, and so I'm literally haven't heard anything, you know, nothing's going down. Um, and I'm on the bus to the field and, you know, just talking to my boys on the bus. And, uh, and all of a sudden I, where did I see it? I think, um, yeah, I saw on Twitter, I look on Twitter and I see like Heaney, Heaney going to um, NY for Junk and Pagero. And I'm like, it doesn't like really hit me. And I'm like, I'm like looking around. I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden I get the farm directors calling me um, <laughs> and I'm like, I like turned to my boys and I'm like, I just got traded. And then, yeah. So I talked to the farm director, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like sitting on the bus and I'm like, okay, I start, I was supposed to start on Sunday. This was Friday. I was like, I'm getting ready for my start and everything. Like do a bullpen the day before. Um, and I'm just, I was in like shock everybody was like congratulating me and stuff. Um, 
you know, I, I was, I was pumped to go. Um, just like what you said, it was to angels organization that, um, you know, was looking for pitching and, um, you know, I was happy to come in and, um, you know, show them that, you know, I can, uh, you know, make an impact in the club. Um, but at the time it was, it was a big change. I mean, it would be a big change for anybody. I've been through the system with all these guys, um, for four or five years. So, um, these are my closest friends that I was leaving. Um, and, uh, some of the coaches that was on that team, um, really ups my game this year. Uh, you know, pitching coach Daniel Moskis, um, he did an amazing job, uh, with the staff and, you know, I worked with him through the whole COVID year and stuff. So, um, you know, leaving all them was sad, but I knew that this opportunity, you know, this opportunity is once in a lifetime and that, um, you know, I just got to go show them, got to keep doing my thing and, um, you know, hopefully get an opportunity to pitch in LA and, you know, ultimately that happened. So, um, you know, the whole experience was crazy. So, um, you know, it was just, I felt it was like a numb feeling knowing that like, you know, like it's just such a weird transition period, uh, looking back at that, but, um, you know, to the right now I'm sitting back here and, uh, you know, happy that, you know, they took a chance on me and, um, thought I could. Well, uh, I mean, it's them. one of the biggest fleece jobs of all time. I mean, if you, and you want to talk about, <laughs> we've had glass now on the podcast, that trade's also mental, the trade with mm-hmm. the pirates, but you, they literally traded you and Yankees Twitter was pissed because they literally traded you for essentially nothing now. Cause Andrew Haney's on the Dodgers. Yep. So yep. you literally got traded for like nothing. And you we're talking about a guy here that had like three, six ERA in the show after four starts, that'll play. And a guy that had like was sec uh, was leading double A and ERA. It's just mm-hmm. absurd to me that that trade actually got sent through. It's just one of the bad trades that happened at that deadline. And do, do Yankees fans are still, are they still sometimes in your mention or like if you search your name, those they're say, I still can't believe we traded this dude. Yeah. Here and there, here and there I get, um, you know, some of the old Yankee, uh, People I see, you know, they're mentioning Heaney, especially when he got DFA and stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I just sat back and said, mm, I'm "Sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that's your guys' fault. So, um, you know, that that's how it is. They, uh, that's the business. That's though. The Yankee, yeah, that's the business. That's what the Yankees do. So, um, it is what it is. Yeah, and it's just absurd, just especially looking at, like, the way their bullpen was at certain aspects of the season. Were you just, like, at some points, were you just, like, man, why am I still, like, why aren't I at least giving a shot, getting a shot in the show or anything along those lines? Because you're carving. You, like, there was nothing else you realistically could have done in double A yeah. to get that call up, right? So, wh- like, what were you doing to kind of keep yourself positive or stay calm with that shit? Because it's especially, it's absurd that you were in double A for that long, like you said. Um, I mean, obviously I was like thinking, you know, I had, you know, I should have been up earlier. Um, but you know, there's at the time I wasn't really a prospect. Um, you know, they put me on the prospect list, uh, you know, probably July or I don't, I don't remember, but, um, you know, that double A team was filled with some prospects and, um, you know, that's the name of the game. You got to filter, you know, get your prospects up there. So, I mean, I was just, even though I had the best ERA in, you know, minor league baseball at the time, um, 
you know, every time I went out there and got on the mound, you know, I just wanted to show them that, you know, like I'm here to compete. I'm here to, you know, earn a spot wherever. So um, if that was, you know, with the Yankees or with a different team, um, you know, that that's how my mentality was. I wasn't really thinking about, um, you know, going up or whatever trade trade stuff, you know, um, when I was out there, I wanted to win. So um, it was about that day, that pitch, you know, that AB. Um, so, I, you know, when it, I just wanted to compete. And, um, you know, that was, that was a big part of it, just, you know, competing and, um, you know, winning, not really thinking about uh, all the other variabilities. Yeah, no, it's just, I mean, uh, then you get that call up, right? I mean, so you when you get traded to the Angels, what was like the biggest difference you noticed in, in that organization? I mean, obviously you have the great one, of you can make the case the greatest player of all time and Mike Trout there. Obviously he was injured when you were playing and you have, I guess the MVP candidate, obviously I'm biased because Vladdy's my guy and I want Vladdy to win it, but it's going to be, it's going to be Shohei Otani. So right when you get, right when you go to the angels and you look at that roster, was that your first reaction? Like, listen, man, like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to like, did they tell you were going to be in the show that year? Or was it just like, I I have a really good chance in your mind. You were saying that. When I went to the angels. Yeah. Did they say, no, not at all. So um, they sent me back down to double in Huntsville. And um, I was like, dang, okay, whatever. I wish I would have went to their AAA in Salt Lake, but it is what it is. I thought maybe I would be there for a short time yeah, and then get sent up. And then, um, no, they, they didn't really – I mean, I didn't really ask um, too many questions other than, like, their philosophies and stuff like that. I'm not going to nag them, like, what's my plan? Like, um, yeah. what, why am I here? Like, stuff like that. You know, I was just um, – you know, I wanted to, you know, pitch there. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, think that I would be there for that long. Um, I can't remember how many starts I had. I think I had like five, five or six starts in double A in Huntsville. Um, But yeah, at that time I was like, like, "Mm, I might stay here all year, I guess. And then boom, like that, literally like that, um, get the call, uh, you know, to head up there. And, you know, that, that was, a that was, you know, I got that call and heard that I was heading to LA, you know, the emotions went crazy. So, um, you know, when, when I got that call, it was wow, because it feels, um, you know, when you're in double A or minor leagues, you know, that ultimate goal feels so far away. Um, you know, feel so out of reach and you you feel so disconnected to like, you know, those MLB guys. And, um, you know, when I, when I got that call, it was like, wow, okay, this is actually happening. Um, you know, you don't really know what those feelings are going to be until, um, the moment presents itself. And when you, so, so when you get that call, where did, when did you find out? Like, was it the day before the week before a couple of days before, or was it just like you're starting tomorrow for the Los hey, Angeles angels? It was three days before. Um, so my previous start. So I, I take a no, no in the ninth in Biloxi and oh give it up. Is that good? Is yeah. that good? Yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I give it up in the ninth, but, um, that was the most I've ever thrown, um, in a minor league game, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, yeah, that, it was a pretty good game. And then, um, uh, 
And then I think our next series, we um, played Tennessee Smokies, the Cubs affiliate. Brennan and, Davis. Yeah, Brennan Davis yeah. is there, all those guys. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I guess they got COVID. So it was like, you know, the first like four games were off or three games. So we were just coming in and, uh, you know, practicing. And it was like, we didn't know what was going on. Like, what, what's the rotation going to be? And um, they're like, okay, you're going, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then it was like, I would have been like Monday or something. And I was like, I was like asking the pitching coach, I was like, oh, when am I going? Like, I need to prepare, you know, have my schedule when I'm going to do my lifts, um, you know, when I'm going to get my treatment and stuff. Um, you know, I have a strict schedule when it comes to starting. So I was like, yeah, I, can I know when I'm going to pitch? And he was like, I don't know. And then I was like, okay. And then, and then, so, um, and then they, I guess they knew that day that I was going to be called up. I don't know why they just didn't call me into the room when I was at the field, but they waited until 1030 at night. Um, I, I, I was just chilling, watching TV with my roommates. Um, and then I get a call from, the manager telling me I was going to go up. So, you know, 1030 at night, I get a call. I'm going to be pitching a major league game in three days. <laughs> um, you know, I think I got two hours of sleep that night. Um, yeah. I had a, uh, yeah, they called me at 1030. I had a flight at seven in the morning, um, eight in the morning, whenever, uh, had to run to the field, um, pack up all my stuff, pack up my room. Um, you know, I didn't get done with that until like 1230. Um, and then literally just try to get some sleep. And I just laid in bed, just mind racing, you know, playing out every single um, scenario, like what what's going to happen, um, you know, calling my family, stuff like that. It was, that was, that was insane. You know, two hours of sleep, whatever, up the next day, heading to LA. Luckily, luckily we had a day off um in LA so I kind of you know got a reset and then I was at the field for two days and then I was starting on Sunday so um they didn't tell me I was starting until like the day before yeah but yeah because I remember but, it was like a to be announced starter for that day mm-hmm. they didn't know it was going to start yeah yeah and dude like the thing that's also insane about that is is like it's not like you're just getting called up to some random team I guess in the show with like obviously superstars you're getting called up and you have Shohei Otani pitching. I'm assuming it was like two or three days before oh, yeah. or the week before or something along those lines. Like mm-hmm. you're getting called up to a team with Joe Madden as the fucking manager. You're getting called up to a team with Mike Trout, obviously on the team. It's just absurd. Yeah. So what was like the first impression you got when you stepped foot in a big league clubhouse and Joe Madden shakes your hand, a world series champ, a legend in the game of baseball. What I mean, what was running through your mind, man? I mean, I wouldn't be able to talk. Oh yeah. I mean, that first instance, I felt like I was like a, you know, like a middle school kid in like a high school, like team. I just felt like so out of place. I felt like I had like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was very odd at first, you know, I thought people were going to be kind of, you know, having big league vets in the uh, locker room. Like why would they come up to me? You know, a rookie, rookie 22nd rounder. Um, you know, I have no, um, you know, I shouldn't be there, you know, coming out of Seattle U 22nd round. Um, but 
you know, everybody greeted me with open arms. Um, you know, Trout came up to me, Shohei came up to me, Jesus like, Christ. like stuff like that. It was like, I was just like, wow. Okay. Like this is, you know, these guys are just dudes like me and you, me and you. So it was like the clubhouse was like the vibe in there was super chill. Um, everybody was laid back. Um, you know, it just felt like a normal clubhouse, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, um, people playing games, you know, playing music, you know, betting on, you know, card games or whatever. Um, but you know, once it took me like two weeks to like, adjust, to and, yeah, like mentally, like, holy shit. Like I'm a ma- major league pitcher. Like <laughs> I'm like, you know, it, it was like everything else around the game of baseball was like a hard adjustment. Once I, once I like made my start, um, you know, all those nerves went away. Once I got that baseball in my hand, um, once I started warming up, um, it was just like second nature. And then once I was on the field, it was just like, okay, this is the same game, you know, that I've played for how many years. So, um, you know, that was the biggest, you know, mentality thing I wanted to go into. Um, you know, just competing up there. I didn't want to walk anybody. Yeah. I, I just wanted to throw strikes, um, fill up the zone, um, show them that I can compete and, um, you know, get people out. So um, I knew my stuff was good enough um, at any level. So, um, you know, just having that same um, mentality and competitiveness that I was going through when I was, you know, having the best ERA in minor leagues, um, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, show them that I belong in there. So, um, you know, all the baseball stuff, there's a little adjustments. Yeah. You're, you know, facing big league hitters, you're facing Altuve, you're facing, um, uh, Tim Anderson, whatever, stuff like that. Um, you know, there's, they're definitely better hitters. Um, but, um, you know, the whole, everything around it, um, being in a locker room, you know, flying on the jet, um, all that stuff was like, holy, holy shit. Like, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're flying PJs. It, like, you're not doing. I yeah. mean, you're not. You're not riding on dog shit fucking buses. You're not. I mean, you're living. Mm-hmm. You're literally living the dream. And and credit to the Angels for this. So I respect the hell out of the Angels. They gave you your first start against just the absolute embarrassment of a team, the Texas Rangers. <laughs> just what? I mean, credit to them. So yeah. That first start, you're in front of the home crowd. And by the way, that first strikeout, you actually watched the game because I'm I'm pretty close to your agent with Gata. Yeah. I watched the game, and you could literally hear Gata on the TV, like how loud he's screaming. screaming. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that that first career game, man, you're in the bullpen. You're pitching in Angel, like you're in Los Angeles in one of the nicest stadiums in baseball. Obviously, just beautiful stadium, beautiful weather. What was running through your head on that walk to that bullpen to get ready to warm up? Were you just like hovering above yourself, like in Step Brothers, where he says, "Like I was hovering over my body when I was singing." Like, what was going on with you? I know. I mean, I wouldn't say I was hovering. I was like super focused. I was, um, you know, I just wanted to. 
I was super calm. Um, it was it was a day game. It was I think the game was at noon. Yeah. Um, so you know, I wake up at nine. I don't remember when I. How do you sleep? How do you sleep? You're making your oh, MLB debut the next yeah. day. How did you sleep? Were you taking melatonin? Like what the fuck? What are you doing? <sighs> did I take melatonin? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I just like you know went to bed early because I, I had my girlfriend in town. Um, so um, you know she knew what I had to do the next day. So I was like, I'm going to bed early. Um, you know, I did stay, like, stay awake, just running through all the scenarios again. Um, but when I woke up, I think I woke up at, like, 7 or something, and I was up. Like, I was just <laughs> up and at him. Like, I, th- I, I felt like I was going to puke in the morning. Um, but luckily, it was a day game, so I just literally got up, got food, went to the field. You know, if it was a night game, you know, you're thinking about it all day. Yeah. Um, but – once I got to the field um, and not, like got to the field and then went out and started warming up, um, I was super level-headed. Um, I, you know, I was, it was pretty hot that day. I think it was like 97 to hundred degrees. Um, you know, usually when it's that hot, like I get, like, I'm very like, you know, tame with my emotions and try not to exert a lot of energy um, until, you know, I started warming up and stuff. So, um, everything was chill. I was just trying to, you know, not let the moment, um, be bigger than itself. Um, even I took in, you know, surroundings and, you know, being in the stadium like that, I've never done that before. Um, so having fans like that, um, in the stadium was amazing. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too big of a, like, like I said before, once I went out there, I wasn't really nervous. Um, you know, probably my first pitch, I was a little nervous. Yeah. Um, just because I was like, okay, here we go. But once I delivered it, I was thank God it was a strike. <laughs> thank yeah. God I, my first first pitch was a strike. So I landed that in there, and I said, okay, here we go. Um, but yeah, that thank yeah, thank God it was. Um, you know, it wasn't like you know the houston the astros or something or whatever my first outing so way um, too like could you imagine your first start yeah. beating being at minute Maid park against the astros or, i think i'd yeah. even thinking about it like that is absolute yeah. nightmare did joe madden say anything to you like what, what was a piece of advice like joe madden or any of the veterans said to you before that first start um the most uh joe pretty much i talked to him before and he was just like uh, the pitching coach was like, oh, yeah, his last outing, he almost uh, – he took a no-hitter to the ninth. And he was like, oh, just do that again. I was like, okay. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> That's electric. Um, yeah, but mo- most of, like, the um, – you know, I had, like, two two or three days to, um, you know, prepare and stuff. But um, usually I'm a big, like, scouting report guy looking at video and stuff. Um, but this, this time I didn't look at anything. Um, I maybe looked at a few, like they have some, you know, like a, um, uh, scouting, like a little handbook or whatever. Um, and, uh, I just kind of browsed through that, just some basic things. Um, but, um, Alex Cobb came up to me and was like, Hey man, like just do no scouting report. Just listen to your catcher 
um, you, you'll guys go over um, it before you go out there, um, you know, just enjoy the moment and, um, you know, do, do, do what you're good at and you'll have success. So that was the biggest thing, you know, I didn't, that was a good thing, like not overwhelming the situation. Um, you know, sometimes with all the numbers, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy has 40 home runs, 50 home runs. Like I can't pitch them. Like, well, all that stuff goes to your head. So, you know, I was just like, okay, like I'll just go out there and compete, you know, with my, my best stuff. Yeah. And, and when you gave up that, like, obviously not, to, I mean, you get, you gave up that first home run you give, was that, yeah. I, I know this sounds fucked up, but was that like calming for you to be like, all right. Like now I can snap out of this shit. Like I'm in the fucking big leagues or was it like, yeah, was, yeah. was that a mistake you threw that maybe a guy mm-hmm. in double A's not hitting out or like, what, 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 like go through that home run pitch. Yeah. Like, what, what I, think, I think it was like a fastball. I forgot the count. Um, but I know it was a fastball, like up middle and he hit it out. And I was like, okay, that's what you like. That's what a big leader should do. Like I missed my spot, uh, missed it up, you know, right in his wheelhouse. Like that's what big leaguers do. So like, it just, it, you know, allowed, you know, check myself a little bit. Okay. I can't yeah. be as free and easy, um, you know, and, you know, I got to have a little bit more focus um, with my misses. Um, if I'm going to miss, let's miss to that spot rather than over the plate. Um, so it's like little things like that. I was like, okay, like, yeah, he should have hit that out. So that, yeah, I, I wasn't too, that didn't rattle me or anything. I was like, okay, got it out of the way. First home run. And I want to say this. I mean, and maybe you can issue an official statement. The junk jokes got to stop. I mean, I, yeah. it just, every fucking thing I see on Twitter when you're pitching, I mean, you're a good pitcher. It's just the junk jokes have to stop. And I said at the start of the podcast, that's, I mean, you're known for it. It seems like that's just what everyone brings up. Just not how fucking good you are. Yeah. Issue a, issue a statement. I mean, I might actually just tweet this and say, this is the last time anyone can ever mention a junk joke. Respond to this tweet with your junk joke <laughs> because it's honestly absurd. So, I mean, they've gotten old, right? I mean, you've, it's gotten to the yeah. point where it's like, all right, these have say, to stop. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I've heard, I've heard of my whole life. So it's not, to me, it's just like, okay, like, yeah, I mean, that's all you got. You can like good or bad. Um, you know, it's funny to see it like, okay, like obviously, um, you know, I've had all, I've had everything like thrown at me with the junk stuff. So, um, you know, I'm used to, it. I don't, it, yeah, I guess it's all they can do. Um, it's the easy way, you know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just insane. I just, it's just like, it's let's have some effort into this shit. And is that a joke that let's say an opposing fan has used against you or, or, or just like, it's all good things usually. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really keep track. I mean, I've heard of both sides, like, Oh, you're junk. Like, like we trade, like we traded for trash or something. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just good one. Be better. Good one. Be better. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> and dude, and your yeah. first three starts and I, obviously I chirped the, the Rangers, your first three starts are not easy. I mean, you got the White Sox in Chicago for your second start. Like, you're facing a Abreu. Yeah. You're facing Tim Anderson, Moncada. I mean, you're not facing, like, double-A yeah. guys anymore. I mean, yeah, that was – um. I mean, that was, like, my first experience with the packed stadium. I mean, day game, my debut was day game, yeah. 100 degrees. You know, it wasn't a packed, sold-out crowd. Um, 
So, you know, when I went to uh, Chicago, um, first road trip, um, you know, pitching it's a playoff team. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that was a fun experience. You know, I had a pretty good outing too. So, um, you know, being there pitching under the lights, um, and throwing against, you know, a team at that caliber, um, you know, that, that was like my first where I was like, okay, like I'm a big league pitcher, you know? So when you realize, like, obviously I, I love talking about when you real and when like the guests realized they were nasty at the game of baseball. And for me, I'm assuming being a social media guy, I'm assuming it was when you were just pretty much like pitching ninja was jerking you off on Twitter. I mean, and, and the thing, the thing I love pitching ninja, the guy, I mean, his, he, Rob Freeman, he's so good with content and all that kind of stuff. I didn't realize I obviously I watched the game. I didn't realize how nasty these pitches you were throwing were. Was that game like out of those four starts you've had, was that the game where you felt maybe the best out of all those starts when your stuff was working the most? Because it, it's, ins- I mean, th- these videos, I'm going to tweet it from the account. It's insane. Mm-hmm. The movement on these pitches you were throwing, especially those backdoor sliders. I believe you were throwing. It's just absurd. Yeah, no, no I mean, um, I've, that's what I've been doing all year. Um, so, you know, I went to, um, you know, a few years ago, I went to driveline and, you know, kind of made a foundation, uh, learned about pitch design, um, all that stuff. And then, uh, when I was with the Yankees, uh, they hired some very intelligent people from yeah. driveline. And I've worked with in the past, like Sam Breen and Daniel Moskis, uh, two dudes I've worked with very closely and, um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of during when was it when Sam told me, I, I think it was, uh, the spring training before like COVID all happened. So sucks. I didn't get to throw that year. You know, I didn't go to the alt side or whatever. And, um, you know, our pitching coordinator was like, um, I think I just, I threw or whatever. And I didn't like outing wasn't like too good or whatever. And he was like, he was like, junk, you got fuck you shit. Yeah. You can, you can throw anything like just throw with conviction, um, let that shit eat and you'll have success. So hearing that, um, was like, Oh, I do, you know, like seeing the numbers, um, on my pitches, uh, the movement profiles, the way they play off my arm angle, um, the way they tunnel off each other, uh, all that stuff you know, helped build confidence in myself that I got big league stuff and that I can pitch at any level and get any hitter out. And when did the, when did the strut come in? When, when was the strut? strut? When was the strut? Because I want to pull it up here and I'm going to tweet it from the account. This is a strikeout pitch you threw on Eloy Jimenez. I believe it is. You probably remember it. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a backdoor slider, 81 miles an hour. And you just, I mean, you look like you're on the runway. So when, when did this strut, <laughs> when did this strut come? Cause I want to clip this and put this on Twitter. I need the people oh, to know geez. when this, when the strut got incorporated. I, I don't know. Just seeing, you know, having that year off of baseball, um, really put it in perspective about like how much I missed it. Um, and I just, I just wanted to, you know, pitch with emotion, um, and have fun out there. And, you know, the strut just came naturally. Um, you know, whenever I was, whatever I was feeling in the moment, that's, you know, how I express myself uh, on the mound. You know, when you strike someone out, there's no better feeling than that. So, 
um, you know, showing that enjoyment and that excitement on the mound, um, you know, puts that uh, aura around you and, you know, that confidence just, you know, builds up and, um, you know, that helps you be a better pitcher. You know, you can't, you can't pitch um, passively. You, you got to be the attacker. You got to be the one on the gas pedal. Um, so, yeah, having that confidence on the mound, um, you know, that's kind of where it came from. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just every time I go out there, you know, I want to win. So I'm a competitor. So that just comes out naturally. Have you modeled like the mindset you have on the mound, kind of like a Max Scherzer where he's a borderline psychopath on the mound where it's like he's motherfucking the pit, like the hitters and shit like that? Or is it just like you just use, I guess, your energy to like pump yourself up? You're not thinking about outside forces like the hitters or anything along those lines. Or are you the type of guy? Yeah, are you the type of guy where it's like, fuck yeah. you to the hitter? Yeah, I mean, you got to be that type of guy to say fuck you to the hitter. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you want to be successful, you can't. You know, you, you got to be that way. Um, but I just, I wouldn't say like I model myself after anybody like that. Um, I do like, you know, like to see people, you know, pitch with emotion like Scherzer, um, like Strowman's or, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just whatever, it's whatever is natural in that moment, you know, whatever feeds the energy of that, uh, that moment is what, um, you know, just makes you that much more competitive, you know, and, you know, brings out those, uh, emotions. Yeah, no, it's just like, I, I do, I do respect that. And, and one thing that you do on the mound also is, or not, not one thing you do on the mound. Did you ever have a moment where it's like, did you ever have that? What, when was that moment for you when you were like, I'm in the, I'm in the big leagues. Like, was it the private jet? that you guys fly on? Was it like the unlimited meals or the spreads you guys have? What was it for you? Um, I mean, maybe, maybe it was the lobster and shrimp or no, the, <laughs> the, the, the steak and the steak and lobster um, as one of my first meals, you know, coming from, you know, like chicken and macaroni in the migrant leagues. <laughs> no, uh, it was probably, uh, it was probably that white Sox start. Um, where you know that was like okay i can i can pitch here like you know like my stuff's not a fluke or whatever whatever like i can pitch the big league hitters i can get people out here um you know i can pitch on a big stage uh that that was the moment where i was like okay like i can do this like let's do it yeah and you mentioned driveline, and I wanted to bring this up because there's a bunch of these old heads on Twitter, a.k.a. Jeff Fry, the biggest clown show of all time. I don't know if you know who that is. That chirp driveline, and they chirp the way you guys train with these quadruple crow hop throws in the nets and shit like that. <laughs> and I, I mean, all the old guys do, like, they roast it. Yeah. And they don't realize uh-huh. that you naturally do that when you're throwing long toss anyways. you just There's just a net in front of you. So what's your kind of mindset on the, like, these old dinosaurs that like come out like the way driveline is, they say it don't work, doesn't work. They say it just causes injuries. Like what would be your response to those type of guys? I mean, I would just say baseball is, you know, evolving. Like it's a sport that evolves over time. Like we're finding new ways to, you know, measure things and um, better understanding about baseball and pitching and hitting and um, everything in between. Um, So I think, I mean, if you're not willing to, you know, look at something new, um, 
then you're just stuck in your own stagnant um, place. And I mean, you're going to get left behind. Um, you know, every, the baseball game and baseball is going to keep moving. Um, and it's your choice if you want to keep up. Um, you know, whatever method that is, um, it's not like drivelines just, yeah, they, they get bad rap for, you know, being, I would say, weird or, um, you know, different. But, um, you know, there's a lot of research and science into what they do. Um, and, yeah, it's not, it's not great for everybody. Um, you got to know what you're doing. You can't just go throw, you know, a, you know, a, you know, a four, four fifty gram weighted ball into a wall a hundred times and expect you to throw a hundred. Um, you know, there's proper training method that goes into it. So, um, you know, there, there's a bunch of opportunities in baseball with, for growth and, um, you know, evolving over the time. So, uh, yeah, I either evolve with the game or get left behind. Yeah, exactly. And why were you number 60? Was was number 66 chosen by you or was it just given? No, no, it was just given. Are you, can um, you, can you actually give us the first scoop? Are you going to stay with the number 66 or are we going to be switching here? Oh, I don't know. I don't know when, if I'll like be able to, I don't know if you have to like have a certain amount of service time or anything to change your number. Um, I don't know. I have it. My family likes 66. I'm not I think it's electric. It. I think because being a <laughs> hockey guy like myself, I think number 66, okay. I think of Mario Lemieux. I just, I think it's an unreal number. Yeah. And, it, and it looks, and it's a very slimming number. That's just what okay. I'm saying in my head. It's a very slimming number. When I see that on the mound, I'm like, this guy absolutely throws fuzz, but he's a little bit on the skinny <laughs> side. It's just, it, yeah. and if you ever gain weight, just always wear the number 66. I will never think you're chubby. So okay. it's a good, it's a yeah. good number. <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe I'll keep with it. Yeah, stick with the number sixty six. Yeah, if if you think it looks good on me, I'll stick. Yeah, no, and like I said, I I'm really good for off field stuff. Like I said, I'm one of the best marketers for players on the podcast of all time. So it's just that's what I'm saying. I think number sixty six should be that. And I'm assuming majority of your buddies and like family friends already bought the junk sixty six jersey. So it's kind of a fuck you to them if you if you change the number. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> funny. One, one of my 69. Yes. Yeah. For people that don't know, his buddy bought a number 69 Jersey, which will always play. Cause it doesn't matter yes. if you change your number. <laughs> it doesn't matter any of that stuff. The number 69 will always be funny. And what was your actually first reaction when you saw he, him, he bought the 69 Jersey. Oh, I just laughed. I knew it, just my friends, like knowing them, those are, those are my like crazy friends from uh, back home. So um, you know, just, just seeing that 69, I was like, that's perfect. I was like, that's perfect for Dennis. It, it's a um, hall of fame Jersey. Yeah. So I was like, he's like, sign in. And I was like, yeah, no problem. I, w- I wish I could get that one framed up in my room. He so, honestly might have to sacrifice it and just have to soak yeah. the money to buy another one because uh-huh. that's yeah. like a one of a kind. I guarantee you he was the only guy actually. He's probably the only guy in the world with the number 69 junk angels Jersey, unless there's a couple other fans doing it. Like that's a one of one. Like that's a hit. Like that's a one of one. I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be the one of one. It is. It's it's a Mona Lisa. And another thing that pisses me off is why the fuck are you not verified on Twitter? Like, what's the deal with that? Los Angeles angels. Is that something you request or how, how do we, how do we get you verified? Dude? I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too crazy about it. I don't really care that much. Um, but 
it's nice to have the check mark. It's not yeah, you could it, be it, honest it, it here. It's nice. nice to have yeah. the check mark. You don't wanna yeah. The thing with that is is you kind of want like let's say you respond to a tweet from a teammate of yours, they're not gonna think it's a burner account, like a random fan sure. account. Like they're gonna be like, This is actually Jansen junk, you know? Yeah. Like give yeah. them that yeah. sort yeah. of entitlement, you know? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe one day. Maybe uh when Twitter Twitter figures out that I'm not just maybe maybe they think sorry no called me. Um, maybe they think I'm a burner account, you know, with the last honestly just embrace it and actually make your bio unverified bad boy. Like just the unverified bad boy. (laughs) That's what you have to do. I say you don't get verified. I say you say you say you don't you don't verify me now. We'll give them a deadline. I'm gonna clip this. Twitter has a deadline. We're gonna say they have until Christmas to verify Jansen junk, or you're just gonna be an unverified bad boy. And after that, that you you're never gonna want the blue check mark. Just be one of yes. us. That's what we're yes, going to do. I need to tell him I'm not a burner account. I'm a real person. Yeah, you're so. a real person. And then I mentioned Otani. And I, I I mean, I'd be pissed off I didn't talk about him. Your teammates with the MVP. Breaks my heart to say it, but your teammates with the MVP. What was one thing that you saw Otani do live where you're like, this guy's not like a normal human being? Like, what was one thing that you saw and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Um, Dude, I mean just seeing him like so i i mean i think my first day there he was starting so he he goes out and throws like eight shutty or like one <laughs> one run and shutty or something and i'm like and then i mean he does that and then every in between every inning he hits so it's like <laughs> i'm like i didn't realize like you know, I obviously I knew he was like DH and all that stuff, um, but like actually witnessing it, like dude comes out, strikes out the side, walks off the mound, puts his hat, helmet on, batting gloves, and goes up there, hit, runs around the bases. You know, the, the three outs, he's got to come back in. Doesn't even get to like chill out. You know, when I, especially like when I'm pitching, I come in dugout and I'm like, oof okay, let's chill. Let's calm down. You know, let's get settled. Let's get a drink of water. Um, you know, let's hang out. Let's rest. This guy has to go out there and actually like, you know, perform and he's performing at MVP, uh, level, you know, that's, that's very impressive. It's insane. I I don't know how he does it. Like there should just be a separate award for him because Vladdy should be the, I mean, Vladdy's stats are just bananas. I mean, he's top five in every category, but it just Otani is just on another level of human. I mean, I think he was like top ten in majority pitching stats, and then mm-hmm. he hit like forty nukes. It just I don't understand the shit this guy does. Yeah. And what was it like having the presence there of Mike Trout in the clubhouse or just even around the facilities? Like, does he just have that sense of aura where it's like this guy's the best of all time, like one of the best of all time? Like, is that what you're thinking when you see him? Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, I mean, when I was there, I didn't get to witness him play. unfortunately but um you know just the way he handles his work and um you know interacting with the guys it was you know you think he you know would have like you know a little bit of that um you know he is like one of the best players um of all time so uh i mean he just walks around like a normal guy like he's like what's up junk like he's just a cool dude um you know super into um football and eagles and stuff so yeah. you know we talked a little about i'm a seahawk fan so 
um, talk a little football. Um, he's a, just a great guy in general. Um, he's not like, he's not mean to anybody, like super chill down to earth dude. So, um, you know, being around that was just like, okay, like this guy's cool. Yeah. And by the way, and like, like I said here, you come to Toronto August 26th to the 28th. So I'll see you there. Um, <laughs> and that's one area. I don't know if you've talked about it with your teammates, stuff like that, but every guy that comes on the show that they say that Toronto is their favorite city to visit. What, I've heard about that. You've heard that. Okay. Humble brags uh-huh. the city here. You love to see it. Maybe we'll work out. Maybe we'll tell Gator to get on the phone and get you a trade of the Jays sometime. <laughs> and, went to, and by the way, you're in, <laughs> I was reading your baseball reference. You're a free agent in 2028. Like the game of baseball is just fucking insane. How Jeez. you like, they have control over you until 2028. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, I what other sport that. is like that? I don't dude. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they, uh, I mean, there's that CBA coming up. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, because um, you're ARB eligible in 2025, and then you're yeah. a free agent in 2028. So it's just the most absurd. It's like five years you could start thinking. Yeah, it's just it's, it, it's crazy. It's pretty insane. It's pretty insane how they yeah, do it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I, I I mean I'd be pissed off if we didn't talk about Gata. I'm assuming you've been one of you're one of Gata's OGs. Is that correct? No, I mean not. I don't. I don't. Think no, you're so. not right. I know it's Hobie, like it's like Hobie, Hobie got me on to him. Hobie yeah. did. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, Hobie got. Yeah, we've had we had Hobie on a, a couple weeks ago. Electric, I love Hobie. What a dude. <laughs> what was your first impression of Gata? And I love Gata's just so goddamn electric. Just what an agent that guy is. But what was the first impression that you got of Matthew Gata, the suit wearing in 98 degrees Celsius <laughs> temperatures? <laughs> what well, what was the first impression? Long hair slicked back. Um, <laughs> I thought he was a great dude, um, you know, talking on the phone for the first time and meeting him in person. Uh, you know, he's a great dude. Um, you know, he rides with you. He's always behind your back. Um, he's definitely a guy that um, he does things different, you know, with the agency or what I've seen, um, but in a good way where, you know, he, oh my gosh, he, um, you know, he, he's there for the players and, um you know, he wants what's best for you and he, you know, is willing to, you know, do whatever he can to, um, you know, benefit him and the player. And, um, yeah, he, he's a great dude, super friendly, super cool to chill with, um, having him out for my debut, like my friends, they hung out with him. He hung out with them, like, um, super sociable guy, like can talk to him about anything. Like he'll, he'll text me about whatever, um you know we talk almost every day about you know stupid stuff little things here and there and um you know he's he's a good dude so um i'm happy to have him up in my corner i mean the guy has to be so busy right now i mean he looks like he's oh yeah like he's, 50 different players right i mean he's he honestly it genuinely looks like he signed like 50 guys in the past week like it's every every yeah. story he's he, he's a grinder man he's gonna be one of those guys yeah, like and he's a one-man agent, right? Like he does all yeah. every he does every single thing himself. The social media, the editing yeah. of the pictures, the signing of the guys, like the flight accommodations. He's fucking crazy. There's no way that guy sleeps. Yeah, I was gonna say he needs a team or something. I don't know how. Well, no, he wants. I mean, I respect. He wants all the money. He wants it to be a solo mission with the money. I respect yeah. it. And I, I, I offered him. I, if he does hire, I'm gonna be his first employee. I'll quit my job. I'll be Gator's first employee. I'll be whatever <laughs> hey, he needs. I'll I'm go sure into the would, trenches. Uh, do a good job. Yeah. I'll, I'll be. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go into the trenches. And by the way, I, I wanted to talk about this. 
the Angels just signed Noah Syndergaard, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what was your thought? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that guy's you want to talk about guys that throw fucking fuzz. I yeah. mean, is that is, are, yeah. is that is that one guy that you're going to be kind of asking for tips or just like kind of like like feeding stuff off of him or what, what's going to be the deal with? Yeah, that? I mean, for sure, that's like a you know one in a million guys. So you know, learning from what he's been through, um, and you know he. You know, he, he, I would say his, the way his body is and, you know, how hard he throws and his stuff and his pitchability, like that's, that's like God given stuff. So seeing him, um, you know, in the clubhouse and go about his work, um, you know, I, being, you know, where I am, my position today, like a rookie or whatever, um, any veteran player that comes in, um, you know, I'll be trying to pick their brain and, uh, seeing how they do things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like to talk to vets and, um, you know, learn about, uh, you know, their upbringing and what, what they've been through and, you know, what they've learned, um, throughout the year. So, um, yeah, I'm, that'll be a nice piece in, uh, Anaheim. So, uh, I mean, I think with him, um, and, you know, hopefully they, they might get another another arm. So we'll see what happens. It could be a deadly uh, deadly staff. Yeah, so. and then, so you, where do you see yourself slot? I mean, are you, like, obviously you, you, in your mind, you're the number one guy, and I respect oh, that. Yeah, you, you're, you're, that, you're that bulldog mentality. But have you, like, seen with all these acquisitions, you're assuming they're going to be getting and all that kind of stuff. What's your kind of goals going into next year? Like, you want to be the are you, like because I'm assuming you're right now. I think they have you slotted for the number three or, or number four guy in the rotation. I could be wrong on that. I'm not sure four or five, but yeah. I mean, what's the goals I'm, you have for next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to go in camp and show them that I deserve a spot. Um, you know, I was there for like a month and a half. I feel like uh, you know I still got some stuff to prove. So um, you know, it's just giving me more fuel this offseason to you know get better um, in the weight room you know, pitching, pitch design, um, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I'm not really like setting sights on specifics like that. Um, you know, I'm just going in and I want to compete and compete for a spot in the rotation, wherever that is rotation, bullpen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to help however, uh, the team needs me. So, um, I just want to be ready and, uh, you know, compete when I head down to spring training. Yeah. Well, anyways, man, I mean, like I said, I mean, Gator said we had to get you on. I'm, I'm glad we got you on because you're going to be a guy that's going to be carving for a long time. And if you look at the stats, oh, people, yeah. this is a guy that's this is a guy that competes at every single level, carves at every single level. And I mean, he deserves to be in the show. So I appreciate you hopping on this, man. And the junk jokes, we're going to get them killed. We're going to tweet <laughs> RIP junk jokes. So that's what's going to be in here. And yeah. maybe get you verified on Twitter. We have yeah. a couple of things on the agenda for our friendship from here on out. Yes. But yeah. um, we'll work on that. But anyways, like I said, man, thank you for hopping on the show. Um, best of luck next year. We'll see you in Toronto August 28th, I believe the day is. I could be wrong on that. I think yeah, it's really? 28th. And, uh, yeah, keep doing your thing, man. I'm fired up to see what you do next year. Cool, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Bro. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially on official pod. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>